Have you ever wondered why the Bible is full of common everyday images? Images such as a neighbour knocking on the door asking for food or for a a potter at his wheel moulding clay or even a lady who's lost a precious coin and hunts high and low for it. And from nature we have images of a mother hen scooping up her chicks under her wings or an ant colony working hard to store food for the winter. Why do you think there are so many images, so many word images, so many pictures in the Bible? Well, it's to show us about God and who he is. God is almighty, immortal, invisible, only wise. And so God gives us all these wonderful images to help us understand who he is. And so we're going to see this today as the Israelites finally reach Mount Sinai. As they've travelled through the wilderness, they've reached their destination. And God speaks to them. And the first words he speaks to the, from the mountain are words where he uses the image of an eagle. And so we're going to pick up on this image of an eagle that helps us understand who God is and his dealings with us. And we're going to start with the passage in Exodus, and then we're going to move to two other passages in the Bible that talk about the eagle. All about to understand about God and his dealings with us. As we do, we're going to see three things. We're going to see, we're going to see new things about God's grace, about his nurture, and about his adventure for us, his grace, nurture, and adventure. Before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, we pray that you will soften our hard hearts and unstop our deaf ears, that we may hear your word and that Jesus will be made more real to us by your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the first time the Bible uses the image of an eagle is in Exodus 19, and this is where we're up to in our journey through Exodus, and to remind us God has rescued his slave people out of Egypt, rescued to worship. They've escaped across the Red Sea. They've travelled through the wilderness and they've made it to Mount Sinai. And along the way, God has been teaching them how to be a people rescued to worship. And this continues at Mount Sinai and all the way through they reach the promised land. And so, here are the first words that God speaks from the mountain. So the, the people are camped, camped around the mountain. Moses travels up to the mountain and we read in verse 19 the first words that Moses is told to go down and declare to the people. Exodus 19 from verse 4. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. See, God has chosen these slave people, ex-slave people, to be his priests, focused on worshipping him, all of them, and also to be holy, to be set apart and follow God's laws. But notice in this introduction to the law, in the very first words of God from the mountain, instead of launching into thou shalt not do this and thou shalt do this and a whole lot of regulations and lists of things to do, instead of that, he asks them to remember 
God's kindness to them. He highlights his mercy and his grace. And God is saying this, first words from the mountain, and I paraphrase, he's saying, remember my great kindness. Remember how you yourself saw how kind I was to you as I was dealing with the Egyptian. None of you lost your eldest son during the Passover. All of you were able to pass through the Red Seas on dry land where Pharaoh's army was destroyed. I led you by cloud by day and fire by night through the wilderness. I fed you with manna and here you are in my presence. I have brought you as on eagle's wings to myself out of my kindness and my compassion. It's all about my love and my grace to you. Isn't it wonderful that these are the first word that God speaks from the mountain? Now, soon he's going to talk about the Ten Commandments and the law and the regulation, but this is a tone has been set. And key to this tone is the image of an eagle and being carried on the back of an eagle into God's presence and his safety. Far above all of the enemies down below, they have been carried as a as a parent eagle, as a mother eagle might carry a fledgling eaglet on her back to a mountain safety nest. Wonderful image. You see, we often think of the Old Testament as law upon law and rule upon regulation, and, and we often dismiss it because of that and like to focus on the Gospels and the word of grace. But no, God rescued this ragtag bunch of slaves, no hopers if you would, before they received the law, before they knew how to obey God, let alone started doing it. The Israelites were rescued not because they had huge numbers, they were militarily strong, they were culturally refined, they were held in respect by the neighbours, none of those reasons. If God wanted a people like that, he would have chosen the Egyptians. But instead, he chose the Egyptians' slaves. It's so much like the father heart of God. In fact, Deuteronomy 7 puts it like this, and we're thinking about uh, the, the kindness of God, that undeserved mercy. Deuteronomy uh, chapter 7, verse 7. The Lord did not set his affection on you and chose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples, but it was because the Lord loved you. And this brings us to our first lesson for this morning. You see, it's all about grace. God's grace comes before the law. And this has important implications for us, for we're no different. See, we're in God's kingdom not because of who we are or what we've done. No, no. And it's very dangerous to think in, in our quiet moments that maybe God did very well in choosing us to be a Christian and how well we've done. We're on such dangerous ground when we think such thoughts because it's not about our character and how good we are. It's not about how often we go to church or how often we pray. Uh, it's not about our bank balance or how good we look or not. <laughs> God did not choose us for any of those reasons. God chose us because we were the least deserving. Our character, our career, education, bank balance hold no traction with the living God. He calls us by grace. You see, it's all because of what Christ did for us. In the same way that God's people were carried to Mount Sinai in the wings of eagles before the law, before they were good enough, so Christ spread out his arms on Calvary and died for us before we were good enough, before we deserved it 
before we did anything worthy, Christ died for us. So we have the image there of being carried on eagles' wings into God's presence in the same way that Christ dying on the cross carries us into our Heavenly Father's presence by grace. So that's the first lesson that we're going to take from the image of an eagle this morning. Now for our our second learning, our second image, we're going to fast forward some 40 years back back into Deuteronomy to to Moses' the end of his ministry. He's coming to the end of his ministry. They're at the promised land and, and it's taken them, like I said, 40 years and Moses is not going down there. And so he gives them the, the, his last speech, his last sermon, as you would, in the book of Deuteronomy. And we come to this passage in chapter 32, verse 11. I'll read the verse before verse 10. And in verse 11, see how, again, Moses uses the image of an eagle. Deuteronomy, chapter 32, verse 10 and 11. In a desert land he found him, that's God finding Israel, in a barren land and a howling waste, he shielded him and cared for him. He guarded him as the apple of his eye, verse 11, like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch him and carries them aloft. And so here we have the image of God as an eagle stirring up the nest and catching young ones that fall from the nest. So what's happening here? What's the power of this image of God as an eagle. Well, it's, let's go back and have a look at how eagles rear the young. Uh, eagles' nests are in very high places, often on a high cliff. And uh, when the eggs hatch, they are looked after by the mother bird, by the mother eagle. And most of the time, spared feeding the, the young eaglets. And so she goes in, she catches a prey, and she comes to the edge of the nest and she tears bits of the prey and drops it into those uh, into those open mouths. <laughs> she does this time and time again. And then one time she comes back <laughs> and this time she hasn't got food and she just puts her head down, her strong head, strong neck, snuggles into one of the, the baby eagles and then she nudges the baby eagle and she nudges a bit further until we get to the edge of the nest. And uh, Mum, <laughs> what are you doing? And the mother eagle with her strong neck just keeps nudging until, Mum, you wouldn't. And she does. And the eaglet goes tumbling from the nest. And then before the eaglet dangers itself, the mother eagle swoops down and catches the baby eaglet on her back, on the wings of eagles, and then rises again. And the baby eagle says something like, Well, that was lucky. Must have been an accident. (laughs) But it wasn't. It was the mother's intention. And she does it again. The mother bird pushes out the little one over and over again. And what's she doing? She's stirring up the nest. Now, have all of a sudden, has she stopped loving her little baby eaglet? Well, no, not at all. She's teaching the baby eagle that they weren't born to stay in the nest. They weren't born to grovel in the dust. They were born to fly. And they'll never learn to fly if she doesn't stir up the nest push the little babies out. And then another time she comes back and she settles on the edge of the rock there by the by the nest and she takes a, a twig in her beak and she, she wrestles it out and drops it over the side. And she does it again and again. And she starts working towards the centre of the nest, taking out some big sticks with her powerful beak, snapping them and, and tossing the twigs and the sticks over side. Mum, Mum, what are you doing? 
And then the mother bird just continues to disintegrate, dis- dismember the nest. Mum, we're too young for the world. We're too young to leave the nest. But the mother continues to dismantle and cast aside the nest. Now, why does she do this? Has she, she had come across a sudden urge to split up her family? Does she stop loving her eagles? No, not at all. What she's doing is she is teaching the eagles that they must get out of the nest, that they were made to soar, and they'll never learn to soar unless they leave the safety of their nest. And this is what stirring up the nest means. <laughs> Very uncomfortable for the baby eagles, but vital so that they can learn to soar, to rise on wings like eagles. And again, this stirring up the nest has important implications for us because this tells us something about the nature of God, but also how he nurtures us. Have you ever had life all together? <laughs> Everything's going well. All the areas of your life are just humming quietly and well, and then suddenly you are thrown out of the nest and you are tumbling down a cliff. And you think, oh, it's because I haven't prayed enough or gone to church enough or tithed enough. Or you might think as you're tumbling down, it's all the devil's fault. But at the end of the day, God is using this difficult situation to teach you to soar. William Barclay, the uh, renowned New Testament scholar, put it like this, and it's a wonderful saying. He said, Jesus came not to make life easy, but to make men and women great. Jesus did not come to make life easy, but to make men and women great. And one way, an important way that God does this, is to tumble us out of the nest, to take the nest away from us, so that we learn how to soar, that we mature in our faith. Uh, God knows that we'll never mature as long as we stay comfortably in the nest. So every once in a while, he pushes. And while we're thinking, this is the end, (laughs) it isn't. Because underneath are the everlasting wings of our Heavenly Father, who is always going to catch those as we tumble down the cliff. And so this is the second lesson that we can learn from the eagle. It's all about God's nurture, and sometimes, sometimes God's nurture can be really tough. Well, this brings us to our third lesson from the eagle, and we now have to move from the Exodus story, from that journey from Egypt to the Promised Land. And Israel now has been in the Promised Land for a few hundred years, but they have turned their back on God. And as they turn their back on God, He sends prophet after prophet to warn them on the one hand and to call them with loving words on the other. And we pick this up in Isaiah, one of the great prophets, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 30 and 31. Again, notice the image of the eagle and what it can teach us. Isaiah 40, verse 30. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Wonderful passage, isn't it? Soaring on wings like eagles. And we know eagles are designed to soar. They're built that way and they know how to use the thermal currents. Now we don't have eagles in New Zealand, but we do have some birds of prey that do soar like eagles, including the hawk. 
And though I've seen a few hawks in Central, actually it's in Auckland where I have seen hawks soaring using drafts of air to, to fly really well. The Tahuna Taria Reserve on the estuary, Tamaki estuary, was very close to where we used to live in Auckland. And so I was often walking through there and a lot of pukekos, shags, and then wading birds, and migratory wading birds, depending on the time of year, few quail and a, and a very elusive pheasant. <laughs> but now and again, when it was very still, a hawk would come and do these wide sweeps just above the vegetation. And, you know, when I was in the hill there, part of the reserve looking down over the estuary and over over the swamp where a lot of these birds were, you could just see the hawk, very little movement. And every now and again, this slight adjustment of the wings. And uh, he was soaring. Now you compare that to a pukeko. <laughs> Have you ever seen a pukeko fly? It's the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen. Uh, and they don't fly very far. So sometimes you're walking through the estuary, uh, the reserve there, and, and they'll startle a pukeko, and it will flap, 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 three or four metres high into a, into a bush or a tree. And it's the most ungainly thing. It's almost like all the laws of physics have been broken. <laughs> and, but you compare that to an eagle. Compare that to a hawk. And uh, they're just majestic when they fly. And they fly because they're designed that way, but also because they have an intimate knowledge of the way their ear moves. And in particular, thermals. Now, thermals are localised updrafts of wind. So uh, in a hot day, the ground heats up and heats the air up and the air rises. And, in, and certain geological conditions are often in mountains where cliffs can accentuate this. These thermals rise to some great heights. And eagles have learnt how to ride the thermals are very sensitive to the movement of air and they soar. And compare that to a pukeka, which is flap, 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 struggle, struggle, struggle. Compare that to a hawk or an eagle that glides on the thermals. And this has implications for us as well. You see, we as Christians were made, were designed to soar, just like an eagle was created by God to soar. But like an eagle, we also need to learn how to use the thermals. Uh, an eagle can't fly, can't soar without using thermals. So what are thermals for us as Christians? Well, in the Hebrew, the Hebrew word ruach is the word for wind and spirit. Same word, depending on the context, you use either wind or spirit. And unusually, it's the same in the Greek language as well. In the New Testament, pneuma is the Greek word for wind and spirit, and there's always a close association between the Holy Spirit and wind and breeze. And so, just like an eagle learns how to use thermals so that he can soar, so we need to learn how to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit so we can soar. I mean, as soon as we become Christians, as soon as we're born again, recreated, uh, we are created to soar. But it's unless we learn to listen to the whispers of the Holy Spirit, unless we listen to his guidance, we will never soar. <laughs> we'll be we'll be pukeko Christians. <laughs> that when we do try and fly, fly, it's all feathers and noise and bluster and we never get more than two or three metres in the air. But as we learn to hear the whispers and the nudges of the Holy Spirit, we will soar on wings like eagles as God has created us. 
As eagle Christians, as we become more sensitive to the move of the Holy Spirit, then when the Holy Spirit moves, we will learn to move with him and soar on wings like eagles. This then is the third lesson, final lesson, that we're going to take from the image of eagles in the Bible. So let's pull all this together again. What have we learned? Well, we've learned that God's grace comes before the law. Remember the first words that God spoke to Moses on the mountain weren't laws such as thou shalt not and thou shalt, but this word here. For you yourselves saw what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings to my presence. Grace. And that grace that being carried to Mount Sinai to God's presence happened before they had the law. While they were ungodly, unworthy, grumbling, rebellious, forgetful. (laughs) But God still loved them and brought them to his presence. And it's exactly the same with us. Through Jesus, he died on the cross for us while we were ungodly, unworthy, rebellious, forgetful. And Jesus, because of the work done on the cross, for those arms outstretched, the blood poured for us, the agony that he suffered for us, he brings us on eagle's wings, to his heavenly Father, by grace. Second lesson we've learned today is all about God's nurture, and God's nurture sometimes can be tough. And this is not intuitive. We're not used to this. Maybe this is a new idea for some of us. Uh, We're used to God's nurture involving tenderness and compassion. And 99 times out of 100, that's right. And those words of comfort we find in the Bible soothe our soul when it comes to the nurture of God. But every now and again, every now and again, God's nurture for us is tough. He does not want us to wallow in the dust. (laughs) He wants us to soar on wings like eagles. And sometimes he will stir up the nest and push us out of our comfort zone. But in all that falling and jumbling and and flapping, (laughs) getting nowhere, we know that underneath us, as we fall, is our Heavenly Father ready to catch us on wings like an eagle. And lastly, God's made us for adventure, and that adventure is to soar on wings like eagles. But uh, though we're made to soar as Christians, until we learn to listen to the whispers of the Holy Spirit, to ride the currents, the thermals, we will never soar. So there's that real encouragement to, to hope in the Lord, to wait on him, so that we can rise on wings like eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not faint. And these images help build up a portrait of your heavenly father, immortal, invisible, God only wise. Yes, he is, but he's also like an eagle. He's like an eagle who carries us to his presence because of what Christ has done. He's he's like an eagle because when we fall, he's always ready to catch us. And he's like an eagle too because he made us for an adventure. And as we listen to the Holy Spirit, As we obey his nudges, we will soar on wings and rise above. Isn't this wonderful to open up God's word and find his grace and his mercy in the image of an eagle? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and its riches. We thank you for the depth that's there and that your spirit brings it and makes it alive to us. We thank you for that image of an eagle and how you carry us into your presence. And that's our heart's desire, our longing 
Lord, is to be brought into your presence, Lord. And and though you stir up the nest sometimes and we're out of our comfort zone, it's because you want us to make us better Christians, Lord. You want us to soar on wings like eagles. Help us to listen to the Holy Spirit, to those nudges. Help us not to quench or push them aside, but to listen and obey. We pray these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.